Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related. I am John Laredo, your host. And I get asked a question a lot of times. Um, Okay, you talk about Tomorrow's Leader. You have a podcast. You have a book coming out called Tomorrow's Leader. Um, What is Tomorrow's Leader? What is Tomorrow's Leader all about? How would you describe Tomorrow's Leader? And it's a great question, because I think the leader in the future is a very different type of leader. And I think there are leaders today that operate the same the same way they did five, 10 years ago. And uh, they are ultimately leaders if they continue to operate the same way that won't be in leadership roles. They won't be effective influencers. They won't be individuals that really help people achieve what they want to achieve or organizations achieve what they want to achieve. So how I would describe it is with one sentence. Tomorrow's leader is a highly versatile leader who attracts and develops A-talent people and helps people and influences people to take actions around a very compelling vision. Okay, so let me say that again. Tomorrow's leader is a highly versatile leader, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, who attracts and develops top A-level talent and helps them and influences them to take actions around a compelling vision. So that to me in a sentence is what tomorrow's leader is about. And I'm going to talk, I'm going to break this up into a couple different episodes, but I want to talk today about versatility and one part of versatility because versatility means a lot. I've done some past episodes on what versatility is and it's really a leader's ability to understand, to see different trends and how landscape and circumstances are changing their scenario, their organization's uh, circumstances, and they're able to adapt to those changing circumstances. Uh, It is a challenging aspect of leadership and very few people, very few leaders are really, really good at it. But it's, it's, that's a broad definition of it. So I want to talk about one part of leadership versatility. Yes, it has to do with changing your leadership style, your communication style, your leadership approach based on different circumstances and the readiness of your follower. But it also has a lot to do with helping people uh, adapt and acclimate to change. And I just think about this year, 2020, whenever you might be listening to this, uh, but it's 2020. We have had more change in this year than probably 10 years combined. I mean, just think about this. Everybody's world has changed dramatically. And I'm not just talking about work. Work has changed dramatically. I mean, everybody has had to learn, for the most part, almost everybody has had to learn how to work from home. And have and kids have had to learn how to adapt to school at home. We've had to learn how to change our whole lives, our whole rhythm, our whole way of living our life, and our whole uh, uh, way of socializing. We've had to change the way we have relationships. We've had to change our financial situations have changed. Our health situations have changed. Everything has changed, and it has not been by choice. But everybody's been pushed 
into this new environment. So anytime that happens, there's a lot of discomfort, there's a lot of pain. And what people are going to be looking for from leaders in the future are leaders that can help them adapt to that change and acclimate to that change and help them understand the change. What does it mean to me and how can I achieve my goals the best way possible in this new environment or what this new environment is going to look like in the future? So I look at this as one of the most essential things. I, I actually asked, I had sent, uh, I, I did a presentation recently and I had asked the audience a question ahead of time. And it was an interesting question because I, I kind of posed it with the hopes of getting some honest uh, answers and feedback. And the question that I had asked was uh, in regards to change. Um, In regards to change, I tend to, and it had different options. So as a leader, in regards to change, the option A was I tend to be the one to come up with the new ideas. I'm at the forefront of it. I lead it. The second option was, well, I'm one of the first to jump in. The third option was, well, I kind of sit and watch and usually let everybody else or not everybody else, but a lot of people do it first, adapt to it, and then I jump in. The fourth answer was, "Eh, I usually wait till the entire majority has jumped in and I'm one of the last ones. And then the fifth one was, I don't like change. I fight it. I resist it as much as possible. I'd much rather stay on the current route. And it was interesting because this was a group of 150 leaders across the country leading different organizations. And a majority of those people indicated, those leaders indicated that they fell in the center, kind of like, which I would normally assume a normal bell curve. They fell kind of in that middle part. They were either, you know, the early majority or the late majority. Um, Very few of them were the early adopters. Very few of them were the innovators, the ones coming up with the ideas, Um, which says a lot if you think about it. Um, It says a lot because my point with this group was if you are leading an organization, very, very rarely will your team and your group and your organization adapt to change faster than you. It's it's rare that you might have somebody that's in your group that kind of jumps in front and starts to lead it. In other words, they kind of adapt your mentality, adopt your mentality rather. They, they adopt your pace and your willingness, receptivity or resistance to change. So we can't expect my our organization to be any different. So as a leader, now there's many things and I've been part of organizations and running a small or even a large part of an organization that is bigger than me. So when you're in that situation, oftentimes you have change that's thrust upon you, just like we are in 2020, where we have to adapt, we have to figure it out, we have to chart a new course, we have to step outside our comfort zone. That's tough. Nobody likes to do that. Very few people like to do that. It's painful. But as a leader, it's that much more important for us to be good at it Otherwise, our people are going to pay the price. And I'll give you an example. There's really three different ways that I look at it. A leader has three different choices when it comes to uh, change. One is they can be part of leading it and be at the front of it. They can follow it, which kind of means you're kind of floating in a raft going with the current. Okay, You're not fighting it, but you're going with it. Uh, The third is you can resist it and you can fight it. Now, I know leaders, a lot of them that fight change. Now, in those three categories, I personally in my career have been in those three categories at different periods of time. I've been the one leading it. I've been the one following it. And I've also been the one resisting it. And I can give you a great example. I remember one of 
the uh, times in my career, I was leading the largest office in the country for uh, for the organization that I was with uh, at Ameriprise, and that was in Boston. We had about 120 advisors in this location. And I remember at that time, uh, we had been one of the top in the country at recruiting. And I had always been uh, focused and, and very good at recruiting. I loved recruiting. So we spent a lot of time, energy. We had great processing systems. We had people involved. We had a great culture around recruiting for years we were really near or at the top. And our scorecard results reflected it everything. We were at the top, very near uh, consistently in the country. So uh, Ameriprise had a shift in their strategy. They had decided to move in the direction of experienced advisor recruiting from novice recruiting. We had been used to recruiting people out of the industry, out of college, primarily into the career. We became very good at it. We knew the conversations we needed to have. We knew what type of people we were looking for. We knew every step of the process meticulously. And because of that, we were very, very good at it. So now enter this whole new strategy. Now, instead, we were now recruiting people that were already established in the business. They were at wirehouses, at other firms, doing two, three, four, five, six hundred thousand in business at that time uh, with a large client base. And they were happy. So we were now trying to approach a totally different person with a totally different attitude, with a totally different level of expertise. And the conversations were totally different. We were having resistance and hitting up against a lot of resistance that we had never encountered before. Bottom line, it was really uncomfortable. It was hard. And we were experiencing failure for the first time. Now, I remember getting my team rallied around, okay, let's move in this direction. And they were uncomfortable with it. I was uncomfortable. I remember getting them all together. We'd make phone calls and we'd get, you know, beat up and everything like that. And uh, I made a critical error. We got to a point I got so frustrated and I hated the fact of leaving what we were doing that we were having so much success with, that old way of doing things in novice recruiting, that I made the decision, okay, let's actually go back to what we were doing. And eventually the company, this was my thought, eventually they're going to see the right in that. They're going to see the value of that and they're going to support that again. Uh, I can't imagine this thing is going to stay because everybody's having a lot of uh, challenges with it. So I made the decision to go back instead of lean into the change and work through that disillusioned learner phase that we were all experiencing at that time. If you don't know what that means, go back to one of my prior episodes a few weeks back. Um, So consequently, we did. Now, what happened at that point? Our results started to go down because we were not doing the things that were being recognized and really supported by the company. We had other leaders across the company that were charging ahead and now we're gaining a lot of momentum and now gaining a lot of uh, significant uh, distance between them and us. And we were still stuck in our old ways. Not only did our scorecard drop, but our you know, the influence level that we had dropped, our stock price, so to speak, in the company dropped. I remember this feeling like, okay, wait a sec, we're, we're, we're going the wrong way here. Uh, at that point, it was almost too late because we had given up a sizable lead to some of the other leaders. And now we were well behind because we had decided to go back in the direction that we came. We just didn't like the change, so we went back to what we were comfortable with. And I think about this, it obviously affected me, but what bothers me more is the effect that I had on my team. I, as a leader, it's not just, it's not about me. 
I, as the leader, did a disservice to the people in that organization and the leaders there because I did not lead them effectively. I resisted and they resisted. And we went back to what we knew and what was comfortable and ultimately ended up being a really, really bad decision because Ameriprise stuck with their commitment. They're now one of the best, I think, firms out there with recruiting experienced advisors. And it only happened because they stuck with it. And most people that were smart decided leaders saw where the puck was headed and they stuck with it. That was a decision I made. One of the rare times in my career where I resisted change and I saw the impact of that and the price that was paid, not just by me, but my organization. So leaders out there realize the importance of your role and your attitude and your mentality and your actions in your organization. It's not just about you. It's about the whole organization and all the people that you influence, that you've built up the credibility and trust, and they're blindly following you. When it comes time to things like this, in this world that we're in now, that's changing faster than it has ever changed before, they are looking to you for help and guidance on how to adapt and acclimate and best succeed in an incredibly fast-changing world. That's what Tomorrow's Leader is all about. Tomorrow's Leader is somebody who has that versatility to adapt and acclimate and see where the changes are going to happen and how to accomplish that vision in light of all these changing circumstances. People need help. It starts with you as a leader. So hope this was helpful. Quick one today, but a really, really important topic. Uh, Be sure to make sure you comment, like, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. Go down below, give a review. Please very much appreciate those reviews and uh, keep listening, keep watching. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. Thanks. Lead on.